Hi and welcome back to the Transfer Marketing Podcast. My name is Prashant Malkani and the topic for today's episode is Back to the Basics. In most cases, innovation today is perceived as forward-looking, but it's not always a thumb rule because I believe to move forward in the right direction, you occasionally need to look backwards. There are so many brands, teams and individuals who have gotten so busy with their day-to-day executional jobs that they tend to lose sight of the main target or objective. To help me dwell further into this topic, I have a very special guest with me today, Elkana Izikil, who is currently an adjunct professor of marketing at IMT Ghaziabad, has previously and very successfully managed marketing for a few FMCG brands in India, mainly Johnson & Johnson, and has also been the CMO at Samsung Electronics. Before becoming a professor, he was also the MD and CEO for Zydus Wellness. So without further ado, let's dive right into our conversation. Hi, Elkana, and welcome to the Transfer Marketing Podcast. Really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, same here. I must tell you that this is the first time I'm doing a podcast, so I'm quite excited. Sure. Uh, You know, and let's uh, dive right in. Since you have seen, you know, the best part of both worlds by, you know, being a professor now and a CMO in the past, do you see uh, students more closer to marketing concepts and strategies now and less when they start drifting to more, you know, executional jobs through their career till they actually reach a position where they're getting paid to think about, you know, marketing strategies and concepts? Yeah, you know, Prashant, it's an interesting question, which I myself have been turning over in my mind for some time now. I spent uh, right. more than 25 years in the industry and the last five years I've been in academics and I'm lo- looking back on my time in the industry, I have been thinking that there were several opportunities which I missed to apply some of the frameworks and concepts which I was exposed to when I was a student. Right. And um, to answer your question as to why there's a kind of a gap between what students learn and of- often don't end up applying in the, in the actual job. I think uh, one, one, one thing is that students tend to be skeptical and they often doubt the application value of the theory. So many students come to the business school with a fairly uh, limited amount of work experience, maybe two to three years at the entry level. And right. they don't always see these concepts actually being used. So there is a certain amount of skepticism. And you know, if you, if you look at the reality of life, corporate executives are fighting on many fronts every day. They're scrambling to meet the month and the quarter targets. Right. But at the same time, they have to keep an eye on the long term. So there are always these uh, trade-offs that take place because you need to secure today if you want to uh, fight another day in the long term. Great. Uh, So streaming from this, you know, and going to one of the fundamental concepts that any marketer would know, which is the four P's, right? Which is the place, product, promotion and price. Uh, Do you think that that they are all equally used? and get the same amount of attention? You know, the four P's is a very basic and a very foundational concept. It's at the heart of every business. So whether you are selling a product or you're selling a service, um, the 4P framework is universally applicable. And it's interesting we're talking about this because if you look at the four P's, one of them brings money into the company and three of them take money out of the company. Now, in my experience, we tend to spend most of our time and energy on developing great products as of course we should, perfecting them. Um, We put a lot of energy and time into strengthening distribution networks and creating world-class advertising and promotional programs. And I'm not being critical. I think these these are uh, 
core activities in building any business and um, unless they're taken very carefully uh, and you go about things the right way these decisions can make or break the business but at the same time i do need to mention that pricing which is the one fee that brings money into the company yeah. usually gets the least amount of attention uh, compared to the yeah. other three and it's not that companies disregard pricing i'm not being critical again i'm just saying that in the overall scheme of things it gets the least amount of time gets the least amount of attention i think it's not viewed with the level of importance that it is in fact we i i teach a course on pricing at imt where one of the first things i say in the very opening lecture is this is the one that brings the money into the company you need to give it more attention true true so uh, you know moving from one of the core concepts that we just discussed uh, right. to something which is actually very focused currently on by marketers which is technology uh, and right. i think the biggest misconception is <laughs> that technology means innovation or vice versa mm-hmm. uh what would you say the difference is and does technology just mean growth or is it a pathway to that so you know the way i see this is that um, if you talk to a marketing person when you say technology today it usually is uh, understood as the digital or online uh, yeah. marketing yeah and i think it goes way beyond that in fact in the first in the first half of my career uh, there was really no internet or digital media right yeah and uh, at that time technology and innovation were all about innovative new products and yeah. um, there was always this search for uh, the killer product the breakthrough new product which would turn the fortunes of the business completely and um, i remember i had a boss who used to always push back and tell us that new products are not the only area in which you can show your creative or innovative skills right. uh, when was the last time for instance you came up with an innovative piece of merchandising material which um, would stop the consumer dead in his or her tracks in the store yeah uh, and that was a fair fair challenge in fact um, today even with the digital medium there is a need within digital to continue to be creative because yeah. the medium itself is not the solution it's, it's just a communication platform and the way you True. go about using the medium will make a material difference between success and failure and um, frankly all these uh, areas are all pathways to growth because every business decision that you're taking is with the intention of generating sales improving your profits driving your market share strengthening your brand equity and if none of these metrics are moving in the right direction then you need to sit back and question why you're undertaking this initiative right yeah no and i and i completely agree with that as you were speaking right now uh, the one thing that i realized is that a lot of brands have been you know over emphasizing their efforts on mediums of communication you know rather than focus seeing on the strategy piece of things do you right. feel like this is one of the biggest challenges that exist today in marketing teams you know i think i said earlier that uh, dig- the digital medium is not the solution it's another vehicle for communicating with consumers so it's much like tv or print and there was a time when uh, print was the medium of uh, choice because television yeah. had not penetrated into the market then along came tv and everyone wrote off print and right. tv still takes up a large proportion of um, the the media budgets of most brands but even tv alone is not going to solve your problems because unless you know what you want to say and how you want to communicate with consumers and what is your core proposition and what's your key point of differentiation uh, yeah. tv alone will not solve the problem the same is true for digital and i think in in a lot of teams today in a lot of cases today the ongoing assumption is that digital will be the solution whereas there is still a need to think strategically you still need to basically um, have a great idea for a product or a concept right. go go through the discipline of identifying the target audience getting to the heart of their insights and creating communication whether it is television print radio or uh, digital 
Yeah, and I think you know, streaming from this entire conversation that we've been having about you know marketing strategy, I honestly believe that it is extremely important, and even more when you know you have two or more very similar products that are currently out in the market. I think the best example for this has been Coke and Pepsi. Would you be able to share you know a case which has helped a brand defeat uh, its competition with a very similar product, uh, largely due to its marketing strategy? Yeah, so I think the 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 best example that comes to my mind is the brand Crocin, and Crocin is basically a pain reliever and a fever relief medicine, which contains yeah. acetaminophen. As and acetaminophen is the active ingredient. Uh, this acetaminophen active ingredient is sold by many brands. Yeah. But just think of a situation where you walk into a, a, a pharmacy with a headache, right. and you tell the chemist that you want um, some medicine to relieve your headache, right. and it gives you an unknown drug which contains the same amount of acetaminophen right. as a normal crocin. I think you would hesitate. But yeah. on the other hand, yeah. if the chemist were to give you a crocin, you would willingly take it and uh, have no fears and no doubts in your mind. Right. And this isn't something that has happened automatically. For years, um, in, in the decades gone by, crocin was a prescription drug. So as I was growing up in Bombay City, um, yeah. Doctors used to write prescriptions for crocin. It was initially not advertised on TV, and that's how they built their trust and their uh, credentials. Yeah. Over the years, um, as the brand got sold and acquired, yeah. the, the new yeah. owners of the of the brand took it onto television, and today it's become the powerhouse that it is. Yeah. And this is uh, an example of how a brand name can materially make a difference between a product you've never heard of and uh, a pure commodity versus something that you can trust. Yeah. So you think uh, probably Crocin, you know, before they actually got into the mainstream advertising, uh, they actually reached out to their partners and, you know, in this case being doctors uh, for it to be more known and used uh, over any of the other uh, paracetamols that are currently present in the market today. Absolutely. So the the legacy of the brand is doctor prescription. And it's been a long time since it moved uh, into the OTC mainstream. These last 15-20 years of uh, marketing support have all been on television and mass media. And distribution has complemented all these programs and initiatives which they've pursued. So today you trust the brand. Whereas if, if somebody gives you a strip of medicine which contains the same acetaminophen but is from an unknown entity you will have a lot of hesitation and this is where marketing makes a difference sure sure you know and i and i feel like you know brands like you just mentioned right now i think if a product is known by most bases the brand i think the the marketing team or the brand has done a great effort you know for example xerox you know uh, no one right. today goes to a, a shop and asks can i get a copy people refer right. to it as xerox and the same thing i right. Think, you know goes with crocin no one goes to a chemist and asks for paracetamol at least in most cases people just ask for crocin you know mm-hmm. and there are a few other brands that have achieved this and streaming from that and you know going to or moving to my last uh, segment of this episode is one of those brands that people don't refer to as a product but call it as the brand name is something which you know you have worked very closely with mm-hmm. which is uh, Johnson & Johnson's baby products uh, so mm-hmm. I'm already I'm already smiling. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think it it'll be a crime if I don't ask you this. Uh, so okay. can you share the growth and success story of Johnson Baby with us? And you know, how did it manage to become one of the most, you know, loved brands in India? Yeah, I would actually love to tell this story. Um, though many people before me and many people after me have been involved in building the brand. 
Yeah. Um, so you know, it's interesting because it's com- the the brand Johnson's Baby is completely synonymous with baby care uh, and motherhood in a way that very few brands can actually claim to be. This success has come uh, and been built on several pillars, uh, starting obviously with the products, which are really designed to suit uh, the needs of a baby's delicate skin and hair. In fact, all the formulations and all the products are actually clinically tested and proven to be mild and gentle for use yeah. even on newborn yeah. babies. And you kind of expect this from any baby care brand because that's the territory and that's what is uh, the lay of the land. But to me, what has distinguished uh, Johnson's Baby from all others is this incredible deep emotional connection which the brand has forged with moms everywhere it's gone. You know? yeah. So it's come from years of uh, weaving really deep insights about mothers and this um, seemingly boundaryless range of emotions which moms feel for their babies and taking all this knowledge and this insight and weaving it into every piece of communication which the brand has um, created and put out as, as part of its marketing programs. So whether you're watching a TV spot or you're uh, viewing a brand video on the internet, that emotional connection is very deep and timeless. And in fact, um, the greatest compliment that people pay to a brand is they say that the smell of a freshly bathed baby is the smell of Johnson's baby. Yeah. No. So it's, it's, it's a combination of great products, talking the language of the consumer, getting into the uh, heart and mind of your um, target audience and um, completely being in sync with uh, their emotions. And I yeah. think that's the genesis of the brand. And whatever people may say about the brand, eventually it evokes very strong emotions. And mums um, are coming at it from that uh, place which they often cannot put to words, um, but they just uh, tear up when the name Johnson's baby is mentioned. True. So it's, you know, a very, it's a very rare asset, I would say, and um, one of the few in the world which evokes so much emotion. Yeah, you know, and I think anecdotally, just when you actually speak about Johnson's baby, and, you know, just as you mentioned, I think it just kind of, you know, brings that emotion out which you normally don't see coming out for most brands do you think you know johnson's baby did something which no other product could do you know to me they've um, a couple of things one is uh, um, the consistency of the approach so when you look at johnson's baby packaging for example whether you're looking at a pack in india or in thailand or in china or in uh, other parts of the world uh, there is a distinct um, design language and there are certain distinct codes and cues right. uh, which have been consistently maintained and adhered to. So this is number one. Yeah. Secondly, even in terms of communication, I think there is, um, if a Johnson's baby ad comes on the TV, as the ad begins, even before the brand name is mentioned, yeah. you know immediately that it's a Johnson's baby ad. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it has a certain way of uh, in which the camera captures the emotions that flow between the mother and the baby. True. There is a certain quality to the music. There are there's a certain softness to the lighting. So there's a lot of elements which are in play. And the company has, over the decades, continued to use this language and package it in the most emotionally touching way or method or manner. Call it what you wish. Right. Uh, so that, that approach has worked and continues to work. Uh, and they've resisted the temptation to change the basics. And they've, they've stayed with very time-tested approach, which yeah. is based on universal emotions, which don't change. Yeah. And that's probably the reason why it strikes the kind of chord it does. Yeah. And, you know, as you were speaking, I was just trying to envision, you know, other brands who have been doing this successfully over the years. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know, this is just my perception out there, is that I feel like, probably what Amul did with its butter product uh, is kind of, you know, 
similar to the concept because when you think of Johnson and Johnson, I think one of the first things that do come to your mind is baby, baby products. Uh, yeah. And I think when people think of Amul, uh, even though both the companies have kind of diversified into multiple different products, I think the one thing that definitely comes to your mind and the one image that definitely comes to your mind is, uh, you know, the butter and the butter melting and, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the background and all behind that. Uh, so that's, you know, honestly, one other brand that just came to my mind, you know, as you were speaking about, about Johnson & Johnson <clears throat> as well. Yeah, it's a good example because uh, like you like you correctly pointed out, Amul has uh, actually an extremely vast portfolio. Yeah. Like the everything from chocolates and ice creams to the traditional dairy products, which they uh, started with. Right, and uh, I think without exception across the country, um, if you say if you say butter, people yeah. will say amul. Yeah. If you say amul, people will say butter. Yeah. Okay, and uh, that's that's the legacy, and that's uh, really the core association for the brand. So it's true, and in fact, people uh, actually recognize the flavor of the butter. Yeah. That's another lesson in terms of consistently holding on to what is working rather than uh, making changes. And yeah. people recognize the butter. If, if you give them something else, they will immediately tell you this is not almond butter. And True. Uh, that's testimony to the strength of the brand. And actually the product gets recognized uh, even with your eyes closed. Yeah. And, you know, since we spoke about strategy and consistency, uh, I right. think one of the things that they have done, which not too many people have been able to match up to, is they've even kept their mascot exactly the same over the last few decades now. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, they've actually, it's, you know, honestly a brave move that when you had something that used to work, you know, in the 90s, yeah. you've actually gone ahead and managed to keep that without changing it because, you know, of changing times and, and the growth happening right. all around you. So I think yeah. that's a brave move. Okay, so I think on that point, I would, you know, honestly like to really thank you for uh, this entire episode. It has been a great conversation, a lot of learnings for me personally. And, uh, you know, the, all the people listening in, I think will definitely go back, at least with a thought that marketing strategy really needs a little more thought uh, than probably what it's put today. Definitely, you know, according to me, I feel mediums of communication and the way things are communicated externally are definitely important, but not to lose sight on the entire marketing strategy piece which we discussed thanks a lot i've enjoyed talking to you it's been my my pleasure so this brings us to the end of this episode in case you want to spark a conversation or have any feedback you can reach out to me on linkedin instagram or twitter look forward to seeing you at the next episode and one last thing don't forget to stay curious